0: Have you considered what it would mean for the Buckeyes offense if Ameka Abuka and Travia Henderson have to miss a few more games? The sad thing is, it could happen. And we tackle this topic today on Locked on Buckeyes. You are Locked on
1: Buckeyes, your daily podcast on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What is up, Buckeyes fans? Welcome back. Episode of Locked On Book Guys for the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jay Stevens, also the host of the Jay Stevens Podcast. It is Wednesday, October 25th in the year 2023, and this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. During today's episode, Noah Eagle of NBC Sports joins us once again. He was with us at the beginning of the season. He is back with us this week during a week when he's preparing to call. Ohio State's game against Wisconsin. Noah and I dive into his experience and what he learned about Ohio State when he called the Buckeyes win over Notre Dame about a month ago. We also dive into what do it would mean for the Buckeyes offense if they're without a Bucca in Henderson for a few more games. This conversation with Noah Eagle was a fun one. Sit back, relax, and enjoy and also learn about Ohio State as they're a few days away from a game against the Wisconsin Badgers. And joining us now here on Locked on Buckeyes is the man that had the privilege of calling Chip Traynham's game-winning touchdown over Notre Dame. It's Noah Eagle of NBC Sports once again. Noah, welcome back to the show.
1: Jay, I appreciate you having me on, man. Always fun to, to chop it up and talk some Buckeyes, so looking forward to it
0: you had the privilege, like I mentioned, of calling that Ohio State-Notre Dame game literally an instant classic. Not so much that final drive or that final touchdown, but in that game, what were some things you were feeling as you and Todd Blackwood were calling that game?
1: Yeah, I think that we were pretty ingrained, entrenched in the moment, and really focused on making sure we were capturing what was happening, especially as things got down to the nitty-gritty in the fourth quarter. Uh, the quarter, the main thing I think that stood out for both of us was how great both defenses played in that game. And it's been a theme now throughout the season for Ohio state. Certainly is that their defense has just been dominant really from start to finish throughout the season to this point. And I think Notre Dame, you, you got to give them a lot of credit. I felt yeah. like Al golden, their defensive coordinator did a, a lot of really good things to just make it as difficult as possible on a, a new starter and a new environment for them. And I thought Kyle McCord handled himself incredibly well. And when we walked away from the game, that was the main takeaway that we had offensively from Ohio State was we knew what they had at running back. And Travion Henderson broke off the big run to give them a, a little bit more of a lead. And we knew what they had on the outside. Marvin Harrison, of course, twists the ankle in that game. And you're not really sure what he's going to look like, but he, he toughs it out, comes back in. Emeka Abuka made just so many clutch plays yes. in that game. I mean, clutch, clutch, third down, fourth down conversions. And it reaffirmed what my belief was on Cade Stover, which is he's one of the most underrated guys in all of college football. It just feels like he's always making the right play, whether that's in the receiving game or whether that's blocking, whatever he's doing, he's always doing it the right way and and kind of doing it the way that a tight end is supposed to. But I I think our main takeaway was, despite all of that stuff that we knew, the unknown going into the game was, what is Kyle McCord going to look like in a big environment? And what we didn't know is what he was going to look like with the game on the line and having to drive his team for the win and his poise, his ability to make plays that we've now seen a couple of times, including last week against Penn State, it just feels like when they need him the most, he's reliable enough for them. And he can go out there, he can step into the spotlight and deliver. And I think that's a huge, huge win for Ohio State fans everywhere, knowing that you've got a quarterback that wants that moment, that wants the ball in his hands, that wants to make the throw on third and 19 and fourth and eight and whatever else he has to do and fit it into a tight window and understand that he's not the guy that needs to go out there and make the play. He's the guy that needs to get it to the right guy to make the play. And we've seen him do that now, really, every time they've needed him to.
0: Very much like a point guard in basketball. You don't have to make the play. Just find a way to get the ball to the guy in the right area, in the right spot for that particular player to make that play. You mentioned Emeka Abuka and that big catch that he had to get the Buckeyes down to the one-yard line. I go back prior to that, Julian Fleming is one of those guys that does yeah. not get a lot of attention and sometimes gets some negative attention when he is talked about um, by numerous people that are Ohio State fans or writers or whatever it may be. That catch on fourth and seven to me still goes down as maybe, I don't really say like it's the best or biggest catch of the night. I don't like no- normally like doing that, but that was maybe as important as that a catch that Abuka had to get down to the one-yard line. Because if Fleming doesn't catch that ball, Buckeyes don't win.
1: Well, it's a catch, and then it's the extension, right? Yes, so it was a crossing route. He comes around from the left to the right side, and he makes the grab, but then he still had to go and get an extra two or three yards. And that's, I think, the experience for Julian Fleming. He's been around. He's been in big games. He's played. He's he's just He's been around teams that have been highly successful. And I think, to your point, he might not get as much of the shine, especially when you've got Marvin Harrison and you've got Abuka, and even now with Carnell Tate, who a lot of people are really excited about, Fleming gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, but it's somebody that has been in big moments, and you see it when they needed him to make a play, he was there to make a play, and he he relied, I believe, a lot on that experience of understanding. Okay, I needed this amount exactly because you look at that first down, he basically got it to a t. It was right at the sticks, maybe an extra yard on that extra effort, but a, a massive play. Obviously, they don't win the game because if he gets stopped, the game's over. But a massive play in the sense that it felt like it gave them enough confidence as a drive starter to then get all the way down the field.
0: When Kyle McCord, one of the best ways somebody described his performance so far this year is he is learning how to play quarterback in college. Yeah, He's played seven <laughs> games. He's had the privilege of winning all seven games where his team is offensively, maybe struggling at times, but being good when they need the offense to be good, you beat a really good Notre Dame team, really good defense. You mentioned just beat Penn State, an amazing defense as well. And Kamakor is just really experiencing a true and traditional and an odd transition for quarterback at Ohio State. But this is what you would kind of expect as a guy who is starting his first seven games consistently. You're going to have some high moments, going to have some low moments, but that should be expected.
1: I, I think you got to throw the Maryland game in there as well, yeah, just because, you know, Ohio State went down early in that one. And Maryland's a good team. I know they lost. We did the game against illinois the following week is kind of a boomerang and, and part of the reason they had five starters out in that game and a number of them actually all five of them were high impact guys it's not like hey you've got a guy who was kind of battling for a spot no no no. they are five clearly solidified studs on their team including their one of their top targets in their tight end Corey deitches that didn't play in that game and you had an illinois team that was kind of playing with house money nothing to lose and and got them but i think maryland's a really good team especially in the big 10 east they're going to have a legit shot uh, not this week, but next week to beat Penn State. They'll have a legit shot as anybody to, to go and compete with Michigan. So I think that was another one just because of the circumstance for Kyle McCord to go down multiple scores to start that game, to, to not look all that great, to look like you're stuck in mud offensively, and just to grind it out and recognize we just got to make enough plays. And then it goes back again, get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And Marvin Harrison made some just outstanding plays in that game. But you found the right guys in the right moment. And that's all you can ask out of your quarterback. He'd be and he be opportunistic. And he's been opportunistic. So, yeah, is he putting up 350, 400-yard games? Is he looking like C.J. Stroud? No, but nobody expected him to be C.J. Stroud. And I think that's the key in all of this. He's winning games. You know, Tim Tebow won games at Florida. Does he? Was he the most gifted passer of all time? No. He went to the NFL. And with the Denver Broncos, he won games. He got them to the playoffs and, and won a game in the playoffs. It wasn't because he was going out there and looked like the most gifted guy in the world. It's just found a way to win games and found a way to make plays. I'm not saying that Kyle McCord's Tim Tebow. I'm not saying that you you pick your quarterback that gets criticized and he's that guy. But I'm saying that he's somebody who has put them in the right position, and that's all you can ask of him.
0: We've heard Noah Eagle discuss some things that he experienced from the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. But we're going to dive into next what he thinks about the Buckeyes defense that has been phenomenal all season that's coming at you next on Locked on Buck, guys. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical. Plus, an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E, medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. There's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked Once again, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Noah, when it comes to Ohio State, everybody thinks offense. Ryan Day, really good quarterback coach, generally has a pretty good running game. Past couple of years, injuries have really hurt that room receivers we all know the story you mentioned kate stover earlier he is a great tight end for the buckeyes this defense it's amazing i wasn't expecting it i don't know what you were expecting going into that game when you called it ohio state notre dame but man this defense week after week after week continues to deliver
1: so i i think because i was trying to figure out what it was because look again they have talent every year on the defensive side it's never a question of that and more than anything their front seven is just it's sickly good and Denzel Burke has been awesome but I was curious all right Denzel Burke out against Penn State what's that defense especially that secondary going to look like albeit against a young first year starting quarterback And, and they were dominant I mean there was nothing Keandre Lambert Smith or either of the tight ends or anybody could really do to get open in that game and Drew Aller was under constant pressure and the reason for that was because the front seven has been so dominant in getting to the quarterback but as I'm looking in and trying to decipher what's different about this year, I really think it's just that it's year two with Jim Knowles. Yeah. And I think that everybody – because when we talked to Jim Knowles and when we talked to a, a couple of the defensive players of this team before the Notre Dame game, that's what they mentioned. They mentioned that there's this comfort with the system that they didn't quite have a year ago. And so as a result, one, their main, their main I guess, goal – every single game is to not give up explosive plays. That's what burned them at the end of the season last year against Michigan and the college football playoff against Georgia was explosive plays. They gave up a ton of points and eventually your offense can only do so much to overcome it. They were, they can hang as we knew what they did with right. Georgia, they can hang with them, but eventually you're just going to get burned. And, and it feels like this year, they're not giving up explosive plays. They're keeping everything in front of them and they're generating great pressure to the quarterback. And I think a lot of that is just a comfort system, a comfort level in the system. And when you're comfortable with the system, you can play faster. And we're seeing guys play faster, especially in the linebacker slots. I just feel like Tommy Eichenberg, who's awesome, has played really well all year. I think Steele Chambers is, a, is an underrated guy as well across college football as someone who has to change his position. And, and as a result, kind of understands what offenses are looking at, understands certainly what running backs are looking at. But I feel like the linebackers have played great. Certainly the front four has been outstanding, which we expected them to be all year and coming into the season. But as a result, to allowed that secondary to play a little bit more freely and even without a guy like Denzel Burke, go out there and, and perform at a high level.
0: This defense in the year 200 Jim Knowles is amazing. I am always someone that I don't really, this is just my mind trying to simplify things. I don't care who your defensive coordinator is. I don't care who your your coaches are, position groups. Your defense is going to struggle if you don't do well getting pressure or penetration with your front four at any point in time. It could be Jim Knowles, it could be me, it could be like realistically, if you're not getting pressure with the front four, it doesn't matter who you're coaching, who who's coaching you. Yeah. And JT a little while, Ty Hamilton, Michael Hall Jr., Jack Sawyer, um, Tyleek Williams, Caden Curry, all these guys, they're consistently showing you yes, they're comfortable, but their play up front is a lot better as well which goes into how dominant Denzel Burke has been ran some Proctor and the other guys on the, in the Buckeyes secondary, that defensive front. And that's a big reason why they beat Notre Dame. If it wasn't for the defense, I mean, the defense is comfortable. Yes. And your two is great, but that defensive front has been dominant and so dominant that a week ago or a few days ago. Now they held Penn state to 49 total rushing yards. That's a season's best for the Buckeyes defense. The front four to me is amazing and fun to watch.
1: No, so Penn State goes, what, I think 1 of 16 on third down in that game. And a big reason is they couldn't establish the run with two of the best running backs in the country. Correct. Nick Singleton and Catron Allen got a combined 18 carries, 20 touches total. They had 10 touches each in a game that it felt like if they were going to win, they had to be great. And Penn State's offensive line's good. You've got Olu Olufashanu, who many believe to be the best left tackle in all of college football. He might be the first offensive lineman taken in the NFL draft this year. And it just felt like that front four was just manhandling them. And I'll go back to the Notre Dame game for a second. Ohio State doesn't win that game if JT Tui doesn't make those two plays on that last Notre Dame offensive possession. First was a pressure that eventually created a loss. So it made it second and extremely long. And then Notre Dame, for whatever reason, decided they wanted to throw on second down as opposed to forcing Ohio State to use that timeout with a run. They set up a screen, and Tui Moloel gets his hand on it. That If that doesn't go, if that eventually is completed, you look at the blocking. That's a first down. That's likely the game. And so for a guy who was virtually silent for most of the game, he always seems to come out and get loud during the biggest moments in in the fourth quarter. He did it again this past week against Penn State with a couple of big-time pressures and some sacks. Uh, He didn't have the game he did a year ago against the Nittany Lions, but it just it it really is impressive how many guys they can throw at you and especially those starters up front they've really just had a stupendous start to the season
0: are you impressed with what you've seen I know it's your first year consistently calling Big Ten games so I understand this is a newer career venture for you but are you impressed with how you've seen Ryan Day adjust and evolve this year a
1: little bit a little bit I think that you know certainly we all remember the post game the post game interview on the field after the Notre Dame game and even talking to Ryan that week you could just feel like there was a weight on his shoulders and i think it's understandable i get it and we talked about it last time when we chatted just how it's almost unfair that the guy kind of gets looked at the way he does i mean his record is pristine he's lost what five total games in his tenure as the head coach. I'll double check that right now. I got his uh, six total games. All right. I I gave him one last (laughs) loss. He's lost six total games as as, his tenure as head coach at Ohio State. That's absurd efficiency. And now I get it. You lose to Michigan and and things get skewed a little bit. But he was one point away or two points away from getting to the the national championship game last year. All he's done is win games and had success. And a lot of people, I think, figured, hey, when you have Haskins to Fields to – stroud that's what you're supposed to do i get that right but now to your point he's proving a little bit more mccord's not the the surefire gifted guy that maybe those guys were but he's getting the most out of them and he's getting the most out of his team and i think he's motivating his team at a high level right now so i've been impressed with that more than anything of of him being able to maximize what he can get out of his group on both ends of the field and trusting in in his defensive coordinator to go out there and do great work, and then to your point, adjusting a little bit offensively, especially considering they haven't had Travion Henderson the last couple of weeks, who's clearly their best running back. They haven't now had Emeka Obuka either at full strength or entirely like they did last week. They didn't have Denzel Burke last last week against Penn State, so they've been missing some pieces, and I still don't think Marvin Harrison is 100% after that ankle twist against Notre Dame, and he's just that good. He's just that much better than everybody, but to do it without a full complement of what they they probably should have is what's impressed me the most.
0: Last thing here about the Buckeyes offense before we go into something fun to wrap up the show. How do you think, let's just say Abuka and Henderson are out for
1: three more games. Sure. How do you think that impacts the Buckeyes offense? I mean, it impacts them because they're not as multiple maybe as as they could be, and they're not as completely unstoppable as they could be. I, I probably liken it just because of the talent level to what the Warriors had with or without Kevin Durant, right? It's an embarrassment of riches either way, because if you still have Marvin Harrison and you still have Cade Stover alone, not to mention Chip Tranum's had a really stellar year. And Mayan Williams, we know how dangerous he can be when he gets his touches. You still have the embarrassment of riches. And then Carnell Tate and guys like Fleming and guys who have been here before, who are maybe experienced and have been in big moments. That's, that's a separate conversation altogether. But I think that when you do have those guys, it's kind of like when the Warriors had Kevin Durant. Because you can say, all right, we're going to take this guy away or this guy away. And maybe we can take two but you can't take three, four, five guys out of the equation. So it just it just changed a little bit what the play calling looks like. I think you have to feature Marvin even more as they did last week. I think you have to try to get the ball to Cade as they did last week in some big moments. But when they've got all those complement pieces at their disposal, it just it allows you to expand your playbook. You can run a couple more maybe end arounds or trick plays or something that can catch a, a better defense than maybe what they've seen off guard. Although Penn State's defense – is one of the best in the country. And I thought they handled them with nothing but grace last week and certainly pulled away in the fourth quarter. And that's really when the game probably was over about midway through the fourth, despite the window dressing with the the late touchdown by the Nittany Lions. But uh, to to go up against that defense that's got first-round talent littered on on pretty much every level, that's a special, special way to deliver.
0: Noah just made a comment about the NBA. We're going to tackle that very thought that entered my mind when he talked mentioned the Warriors. That's coming at you next on Locked on Buckeyes. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit only available to us customers eligible items. Only exclusions apply. Noah, this is the first time in a while you're not calling NBA basketball for 82 games and going into the NBA playoffs. Does it feel weird that you're doing college now versus being with the L.A. Clippers?
1: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I do love the NBA. It's definitely one of my passions, always has been. And so it'll it'll feel a little strange to have a season start and and not feel like I have to now start preparing for games every single day. You know, there's something nice about it because last year I was doing college football every week along with the NBA responsibilities. And that can be pretty daunting on the schedule and pretty daunting on the travel and everything that goes with that. But as a result, you know, I get to focus on these college games, which is nice. And I get to be a fan to a certain degree of the NBA again. I am I, lucky because I'm going to end up getting to do probably about 10 Brooklyn Nets games this That's year. Right. And right. so it, it kind of scratches that itch, so to speak. But I'm excited to do Big Ten basketball as well, which is going to start up in these next couple of weeks and, and get back into the hoops mindset. But it, I... I I have a weird OCD type thing with my food where if I get like, let's say I get a burger and fries, I need to finish my burger before I start my fries. I don't know what it is. I just, it's always been that way. So I kind of like that. I have that with my sports right now where I can, I can really focus solely on on the football stuff before basketball gets hectic, which will be, which will be good.
0: You know, people like your dad that kind of dabble NBA, the nets, NFL, like college basketball. I don't know how they do it. Cause being able to do the job well is one thing being able to understand that at this point I have to work on this, but also have to prepare for that. Trying to double dip and dabble and all that stuff is very tough, which makes me go into appreciate
1: what your dad does uh, at a great level. Cause it's not easy. No. And, and I've done it, you know, the last couple of years I've done the balancing act and I've, I've, I was lucky because I had the template with him. I got to see how he did it, Oh yeah, that's true. It, you know? And so it helped me a lot to understand, okay, what do I need to do? How do I need to budget my time properly to make sure that I'm, I'm dedicating the proper amount to everything, but it's a challenge. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's easy. It's fun and I enjoy it. And I I will miss aspects of it, but I I am excited that I get to really pour myself a little bit more into each assignment and make sure that I'm, I'm doing everybody justice. What are some of the best atmospheres you have been in this season? Well, that, that Notre Dame-Ohio State game has to be at the top of the list, just considering the stakes. And I think everybody knew how big of a game it was going to be going in. And then for it to turn out the way that it did, that was unbelievable. That has to be high. We had Penn State week one.
0: Mm, and to have okay.
1: 100, 110,000 fans in a building and loud and engaged throughout the entire game. And it ended up being a, a pretty decent game against West Virginia, who's had a, a solid season to this point. Neil Brown's got his guys playing fairly well. They've had a couple tough weeks the last few, but uh, they started pretty strong. They actually, I think, ripped off four straight wins after losing to Penn State to start the year. So it, w- it ended up being a good game, so the fans were engaged in that one. Uh, those were were two great ones. And And honestly, this past week, to start the game, I should say, Michigan and Michigan State, it's just a great in-state rivalry. And so you know the fans are going to be juiced up. And to start, it was really great. And then quickly, Michigan pulled away and I think changed what the atmosphere was like, but I'm really excited for this week. I've never been to Madison and I I have a feeling that it's going to be a raucous environment. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for jump around. I've never experienced that and we'll see. We'll see if the, if the Badgers can keep it any bit close with a backup quarterback. It'll be interesting.
0: I'm going to be watching and maybe NBC has a camera on you
1: and Todd Blackledge <laughs> when jump around goes on say, Oh, uh, no
0: commercials. We I need don't to know. see this
1: live. Yeah, I don't know. I know that Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman had that last year and and Tim got a little too comfortable, I think, with Spencer in that one. <laughs> Although I did ask him about it. He was he was all for it and Spencer was all for it. So I think those guys love it. And honestly, I think that everybody watching loved it. So I think I brought that up to Todd. I was like, what do you think? Maybe I do that. He's like I think no. I think that's a veto on that one. So we'll see. We'll probably be having fun, though, in the booth. I can pretty much promise that. What's maybe a thought? I think
0: think your broadcast team is going to Columbus for Ohio State, Michigan State, possibly in the future. What are your thoughts a few weeks away from that matchup? Just mainly you going to Columbus this year for the first time.
1: Yeah, so I've I've done a basketball game in Columbus. That's which right, was great. And I actually I, I should be doing the basketball game that Friday against Texas A and M as well. So okay. I'm excited. We're gonna double dip. We'll have the Friday Saturday in Columbus. It'll be a full weekend of Ohio State Buckeye sports, which is gonna be a blast. But yeah, I I can't wait. I can't wait just because I've I've heard such great things, and I can imagine that you can feel the energy no matter who's playing when Ohio state's good and especially if they're still undefeated at that point of the season, which there's a, a fairly solid chance they will be. I just got a feeling that everybody's going to be so engaged, so locked in. And and that's what you want when you're yeah. broadcasting, you want environments like you get in Columbus. You want environments where, you know, everybody's as passionate as you are about the sport and more passionate about the team. And, and if you can get that, that's the dream, because now you can showcase that. And that's really what we want to do. We want to showcase the fandom. We want to showcase the passion of the sport, the pageantry and everything that goes into it. And so we should get that opportunity. And then some when we go to Columbus.
0: One more thing here for you. We mentioned you mentioned calling the Michigan-Michigan State game this past weekend. I know you're not calling this game in the future, but what would it mean for you to potentially call
1: the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry game oh, down the road? Oh, man. I don't know if there's proper words to describe what that would be like, just because it's so special. It's so ingrained in the history of the sport, and it means so much, especially when these two teams are as good as they've been the last couple of years. And it's essentially the difference between certainly winning the Big Ten, uh, and that might change, obviously, with the divisions going away and the new teams joining the fold a little bit. But it, it might not just because these two teams are so good and they can absolutely run the table until the final week of the season, no matter what. And when you've got that, it's special. But I, I, I've i realized that rivalry games are just amazing to do. Yeah. And even last week, despite it being 49 nothing, you can still feel something and talking to the players and the coaches and the fans. And, and that's, that's fun. I like that. I, I like that feel that you get from a rivalry game. You know, I grew up. I was a Syracuse fan. I ended up going there, but I would go to the Big East tournament every year at Madison Square Garden. And I would go to Syracuse Georgetown games and it felt different. And, yeah. and there was a passion behind it. And there was like a hatred that you had for the other school just automatically. And so to do games like that, that's the dream scenario. And especially when the teams are as good as they've been. And the stakes have been as high as they've been, man, that would be in the world. So we'll see. I don't know. I think Fox kind of has a stranglehold on right. it. And Gus and Joel, kind of get their 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 fix of it every year, which is great. And those guys will be ready to go. So you'll be hearing a lot of Maserati Marv for the time <laughs> being. But uh but yeah, if we ever got to do it, it would be really awesome.
0: Noah, I really appreciate it. Look forward to potentially doing this down the road. Um, you can follow not Noah Eagle at Mo underscore Cheese fifteen. That's my mistake on the graphic. <laughs> I put my buddies. My my buddy Mo was on the show recently, and I forgot to change it. So no, I, I like had- Mo
1: cheese though. I <laughs> want more Mo cheese is better for me. I like cheese. I'm not lactose intolerant. It's, I believe it's at Noah Eagle 15 on yeah.
0: Twitter, maybe X, whatever people still call it now. Follow me on the same platform at JE Steven07. Love having Noah on the show. Look forward to hearing him call the Buckeyes and Badgers game on Saturday night. This has been Locked on Buckeyes here on a Wednesday. I'll see you next time.